Hi. I'm Latara. I'm Maura. And this is Passions Podcast. Welcome back. You have made it to episode 31 of this podcast. Congratulations and to you. I'm proud of you. Me t- too. I was not me three. Yeah, so today we're talking about episodes 53 and 54. Mm-hmm. Yes? Yes. Uh, the show is I- so good. It really is. Yeah. I love it so much. I just wish we could get out of this night. Yes. I <laughs> wish we could get past this. I was really excited about this episode because it looked like we were going to start moving things forward. And we just kind of rehashed everything in a new location. Yeah. Which was... It was... Disappointing. It was very disappointing. Well, there was some little, some shenanigans here and there with Teresa and um, Whitney. (laughs) There are always shenanigans where those two are. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, like you said, it's just we moved to a new location and And everybody just kind of did the same thing they've been doing separately but together. Yeah. Yeah, so I know. Let's talk about it anyway. So this episode starts with Sheridan and Ethan digging through the archives. I feel like yeah. archives is the wrong word for this room. No, it's that's just, what it said on it. I, yeah, but it doesn't look like how I would archive things. It was just kind of a dusty old newspaper room. Yeah, it, it's literally like a little, I don't know, five by seven room full of filing cabinets and piles of papers. And <laughs> honestly, I mean, presumably this is where they have kept all of the old editions since the paper's inception. They're looking for a paper that's like at least 20 years old, Mm -hmm. you would think it would be a little bit bigger and far more organized. Yeah. You know, it it seems really messy to me for an archive. It does. And I can understand not having, like, digital archives at this point, but why wouldn't they go to the library and just go looking through microfiche? Because they would have digital archives. I just thought of that. Yeah. Why? Well, I guess because his family owns. It's the, the middle business. of the night. It's the middle of the night. They can go straight to the source. Yeah. Anyway, they're there. <laughs> That's where they are, <laughs> and they're digging through, trying to find, still trying to find a clue as to what happened all those years ago with Sheridan and who she may have killed, and mm-hmm. so they're just digging and digging and digging, and Sheridan kind of worries about Louise, who has come and gone. He came because he heard it. There was a break in. He left because there was no crime being committed. And she's worried. She's saying Luis is suspicious. And she warns Ethan not to underestimate him because he's smart. She says, Mm -hmm. don't underestimate him. He's smart. Because Ethan's like, he's just a cop. Don't worry about him. If we we can't find anything, what makes you think he's going to be able to find anything? Oh, he only has, like, training and resources available. <laughs> what's he ever... Well, how? what's he going to uncover? Yeah, well, Ethan is extremely daft, as mm-hmm. we know. Mm-hmm. So I, I did like this part because as they're talking about this, Ethan asks her about the experience that she had back when she was a little girl. And she's like, I don't really remember much, but Alistair told me that I would be an outcast and no one would love me if they knew what I had done. Mm-hmm. So we finally have confirmation that it was Alistair, which we had suspicions of, but I'm just glad that we finally know for sure. Yeah, that voice in her dreams slash flashbacks is probably Alistair or is Alistair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ethan decides to like climb up on a stool or something. He's like trying to get something from the top shelf of these stacks 
and Sheridan hears somebody coming in. Some We hear somebody coming in. And then Ethan falls down in the goofiest way possible. <laughs> he has like news, a stack of newspapers in his hands, throws them in the air, falls to the ground, like <laughs> flies across the room. Like it's the most, it was so goofy. It was very cartoonish. I laughed so hard. <laughs> and Ugh. then we see that Frank Lomax is the person who was coming into the archives room. He's everywhere and nowhere all at the same time. It makes no sense because he says, and maybe I heard, maybe I misheard this because I had just stopped laughing and maybe I missed what was said. But he says that he heard about a break-in and came to check it out. Is that, is that correct? I didn't write it down. So he heard, he overheard about the break-in and came to check it out, even though he's not a police officer. Like, you don't uphold the law in this town. Yeah. I didn't write it down. I didn't take any notes about that. So, sure. I just, I, that's, because I wanted to know what he was doing there. Mm. How'd you get in? He broke in, too. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the alarm just was disabled because of... But even if the alarm is disabled, the newspaper is closed. Yeah, I mean, you can't just waltz in. Yeah. But he did. I don't know. Whatever. So, Ethan has fallen and twisted his ankle... Lomax is there. He and Sheridan help Ethan hobble up, and they, well, they hop on down to the to the, down hospital. To the hospital. And as they're leaving, the camera zooms in on one of the newspapers that had fallen out of Ethan's flailing arms. And what did it say? It said, mystery disappearance. That's all mm. it said. It zooms in, so that's a little clue for us. Mystery disappearance. I love that it didn't say mysterious disappearance. Nope, mystery, mystery disappearance. disappearance. It might have said mysterious. I like but it. But I wrote, I quoted it as mystery disappearance. I like I that better. It's funnier. I don't know. It's <laughs> a, a mystery, mystery disappearance. disappearance. <laughs> so they're headed to the hospital. And you will find that everyone is headed to the hospital in this episode. The hospital is the new lobster shack. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. So let's head over to the Lopez Fitzgerald home before they head to the hospital. Sure. Luis and Hank are back at Luis's house and they talk about Sheridan and Luis talks about how he wants to figure out what she's hiding, mm-hmm. basically. And Hank does his Hank thing. It's like, you need to lay off. Well, he, yeah, he's and he's right. He tells Luis, the cranes are too powerful to keep butting heads with. Like, what are you doing to yourself? You're digging yourself into a hole. You're not gonna, like, just give it up, man. Yeah. And uh, as they're talking about this, Teresa and Whitney come in because they have been heading back from their evening at the chicken coop. (laughs) (laughs) And Teresa is mooning over the fact that Ethan recited a poem and he was inspired by her beautiful eyes and all this other stuff. They come back to the Lopez Fitzgerald house. They walk into the kitchen where Luis and Hank are talking and then the phone rings. And it's Miguel on the phone just checking in. To tell them, hey, Charity's house burned all the way to the ground. We don't know where her mom is, but Charity's here at the hospital. They don't know if she's going to make it. I'm not coming home tonight. Yeah. So Luis and Hank say, you know, we're going to head over to the hospital. And Teresa's like, we want to go too. So Teresa and Whitney decide to go to the hospital. Everybody's going to the hospital. But this is the first time that Teresa and Whitney have heard anything about this. Like, they've been off having their own adventure. They have no idea what's going on. So they're standing there, and Luis is like, a fire, charity. And they can only hear his side of the conversation. And they just keep giving these looks to each other like, what? Oh, my gosh, what? So, yeah. They're all headed down. They're all headed to the hospital. To Harmony Hospital. What's the name of the hospital? I don't know yet. 
I do not know yet. Probably Mercy Medical or something like I that. I don't know. It's always Mercy. Harmony Hospital. It's probably the Crane Medical Center. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> <laughs> For being real. Oh, no. So, should we go to the hospital or is there anywhere else we can need to stop by first? I think that's where Every, we must go. All, all roads the, lead to the Crane Medical Center. So, over at the Crane Medical Center. <laughs> it's not, though. Because, it's not, yeah. Because they make a comment they about how. They about it. Yeah, but it's a, it's a public hospital or whatever. Yeah, but over at this public hospital, <laughs> um, everyone who's anyone. Is at the hospital. And so is everybody else. Even if they're not anyone. They are at this hospital. So let's start with TC. Because we haven't talked about him in a while. Yeah, we haven't seen him in a while. We haven't seen TC in a while. But TC is at the hospital. Why is he at the hospital? I mean, I guess to be supportive. I think so. I think (laughs) Sam must have called him. and Oh, probably told him this is where Eve is. This is what's going on. And so TC came down to like... You to know. support Sam, support yeah. Eve, support Grace. Because he, you know, they're good friends. Yeah. So, TC's there. Whitney and Teresa come in. And Whitney sees TC. She goes over to talk to her dad. Mm-hmm. And he starts to lecture her about tennis. Yes. What? <laughs> like, what? And also, what? He, like, he's like, you should be in bed, young lady. What about Simone? What about her younger sister? And well, she, she points says that, out. that She's like, my little sister is sitting right over there, and you're telling me to go to bed and not her. He's like, well, you have to get up early for a tennis lesson. And so that, that leads down this, you know, this conversation about him being intense about tennis. Tennis comes first. Don't let anything get in the way of your dreams. Right. This is really important. Yada, yada, yada. And then she does the thing that I do with my parents sometimes when they start to, like, lecture me about things that I really don't want to talk about. She makes her escape. She's like, oh, well, I'm going to go find Miguel. I got to go check on Miguel. She's like, I know, Daddy. I'm going to go check on Miguel. So she kind of gets out of there pretty quickly. And then Eve comes in and says, oh, judging by the look on Whitney's face, I imagine you were giving her the old tennis comes first lecture. Mm -hmm. And TC's like, yeah, I know, because I'm the big bad wolf. Like, I'm the bad guy. He starts to, like, pout. And Eve is like, no, I didn't say that. I'm just saying, like, you need to be a little bit more realistic because one of these days, and this was kind of weird to me. Yeah. But she goes, one of these days, other things may start to occupy Whitney's mind. And he's like, like what? (laughs) She's like, she's like, boys. Yeah. Duh. (laughs) I like thick boys. Itty bitty boys. I don't know the words. I know. I couldn't think of it. It's been such a long (laughs) time since I listened listened to, to like, happy music. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I only listen to sad, depressing Well, you know things. what? I can't, like, I honestly can't listen to that Lizzo album anymore because we had so much fun last summer. Oh. And it makes me think of summer 2019 and summer 2020 is such a shit show. Yeah. And it, it just makes me so sad to think about, like, we went to the beach so much. And listened to Lizzo. We went out. We were like, oh. just, I was living my best life. I know. Last summer was really fun. Last summer was so fun. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I know, so, so yeah, I can't even listen to that I album. can't listen to it don't remember the words yep but uh basically eve is like you know whitney is growing to be a beautiful young woman she's going to start thinking about boys soon enough and they will certainly be thinking about her Mm -hmm. and just be ready for it you know tennis is not just going to be the only thing in her life yep yeah it was kind of strange how she said it i don't know why though she got a little glimmer in her eye because she says something to the effect of Soon, Whitney's going to wake up to the fact that she's attractive to the opposite sex. Mm. And she gets, like, this look in her eye like she remembers waking up and realizing that she was attracted Mm. to the opposite sex and that she could, like, 
use her, I guess, looks to sway men. I don't know. Mm. But she did kind of have that look. I, I happen to know Eve's past. Yeah, and I don't know anything <laughs> about Eve yet. So yeah. this is, that's why I was like, something's up, but I don't know what it is. Yeah, I happen to know Eve's past. So like that, there you caught it. So yeah, there is something there. She's yeah. looking off into the distance. Something in her romantic past. Oh, yeah, boy. for sure. Oh boy. But So Whitney kind of makes, Whitney has made her escape and she's going to find Miguel, but she sees who? Frank fucking Lomax. Yep. And so she runs her ass over to Teresa and she, to deliver the bad news. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they can't escape this. So it's like, this Frank man. and Ethan are here. And Teresa's like, oh, they're here. I've got to find out what's wrong with Ethan. That's what she says. Right. It's like, girl, we gotta go. I've got to find out what's wrong with Ethan. Whitney, as much as I love a loyal friend, this is, she's pushing it to the limits for me. Mm. Teresa's f- pushing... Whitney's loyalty to the limits because Whitney's going to get in trouble. Like a lot of trouble. A lot of trouble. And she says something to that effect. Like we're here in the hospital where my mom works. My whole family's here. If we get caught, my whole life is going to be in ruins. Like my Mm -hmm. whole family's going to be here to to witness my disgrace. Something like that she said. (laughs) And she's right. And if I were her, I would be leaving Teresa to her own devices at this point. Mm. Like, either you come with me or I'm leaving. Or like, I'm out. I, I can't sacrifice myself for you. But she doesn't do that. She pulls one of those little uh, screens. Yes, yeah, like, like a rolling partition. Yeah, and so she kind of, like, wraps it around her and Teresa. And she's, like, having this conversation. And then they, like, crouch down and are looking. And they can actually see directly into the exam room where Ethan has been taken. Oh, it's so ridiculous. They use it to kind of, like, mask themselves from... From Frank Lomax and spy on Ethan at the same time. (laughs) And then Teresa looks into the room and sees that Ethan has taken his shirt off because he went in to be examined by Eve and Eve told him to take off his shirt. It was so weird. And it was only, that's just fan service. Yeah. That's all that was. That's all it is when they take off their shirts or if they find an excuse to make them take off, that's just fan service. It does not do anything for the plot it there's no reason for it it's simply fan service and if it was Luis, i'd be here for it it's just so that women can ogle shirtless men so (laughs) oh boy (laughs) so i feel like soap operas like this are like kind of porn for women but like emotional porn if Uh, that makes sense there's a really handsome man who stands by the women in his life and makes all the right decisions and looks so good without a shirt on and And he's fine yes yeah yeah i feel like it's kind of emotional porn also like there's like these weird tiktoks that i've seen i'm i'm not super into it but it's just all of these very handsome men like pretending to be your boyfriend in a video, just like a scenario where, oh. no, like a scenario where he like brings you chocolate. <laughs> what like, the hell? Yeah, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Or like a scenario where, or like a scenario where we're, I'm walking down the street and then he sees me and, <laughs> and he just he goes like, excuse me. You're really beautiful. Or something like that. And it's like these gorgeous men, like, doing these cringy videos. But, like, I'm sort of into it. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> one specifically is like my boyfriend. I swear oh to my God. God. I love how the story started off with like, I've seen a couple of these things. I don't know much about it, but let me tell you exactly what it is. But it's really weird and cringy and I can't imagine it. Except there's this one guy that I've seen all of his videos and he's actually my boyfriend now. Okay, we've really, okay, Teresa. I get what you're, <laughs> I get why you're on her side now. <laughs> Girl, leave me alone. <laughs> it's hard out here. It's not summer 2019 anymore. It's not. No more hot girl summer. No more hot girl summer. The most exciting thing that's happened to me this summer is not when my boyfriend, he didn't bring me chocolate, but he brought me like a beer. And I was like, this is great because I didn't have to get up and get it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like a memorable experience in my lifetime. In, in the last how five shitty months. the last four months have yeah. been. Five months? Four months? I don't know. I can't remember. Four. March, April, May, June, July. We're almost, almost. into August. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's okay. No. Keep up the energy. Keep go, up let's the- go back to when we were laughing. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Okay. So, All right. So, here. so let's jump to how Ethan ended up in this exam room with Dr. Russell with no shirt. As you remember, he had fallen and twisted his ankle. So Lomax and Sheridan hobbled him into the hospital. And immediately Sheridan spots Luis and is like, uh, I got to get out of here. So she like does a swift three-point turn and walks <laughs> right back out of that hospital, out the emergency room entrance. And Lomax is the person who kind of like helps Ethan to get back to that little room. And then I think Lomax starts like, prowling around to look for clues. Right. Ugh, it's so stupid. And, and the girls at this point are still with the partition, just like hiding from him with it. Right. And j- j- they're really maneuvering with this thing and he doesn't look into it at all. He like It's just moving it by moving. itself. He, yeah, he sees it moving but doesn't look into it because what happens is after Eve has Ethan on the exam table and does like a kind of quick survey is like well, we need to do an x-ray Lomax you're right here can you take him down to the x-ray room mm-hmm. and so he's wheeling him down and Teresa when you're like kind of following with the partition yeah. and then they sit down in the waiting room with newspapers and like hide behind like these big open newspapers it reminded me so much did you ever see the little rascals yeah. It reminded me so yes. much of that when they're like when they're trying to get a loan from banks and stuff yes. like that, like to, to rebuild their like clubhouse or whatever. <laughs> and they're just like walking around with these beards on. It's like obviously you are a child. Yeah. It's it felt like that. It felt very silly. Yeah. It felt just like they're just two little rascals, these yeah. these girls. It felt like like a dog standing on a cat's shoulder with a trench coat and like a yeah. ZZ top beard. Yeah. Like, to, yes, to absolutely. pretend to be a human. Yeah. Absolutely. So while the girls are kind of preposterously hiding behind newspapers and whatnot, Lomax takes Ethan to the next exam room for an x-ray. And he's like, you know, this is a, this injury is a good excuse for a pretty girl to look after you. Yeah. So <laughs> they go to that room and Whitney is like, okay, let's go. We can get out of here now. And Teresa goes, I really want to make sure that, I just want to make sure that Ethan's okay. I want to find out what's wrong with his ankle. And so they follow them to the next exam room (laughs) and stand outside while Frank and Ethan are having this conversation. And Frank says, you know, you can find a pretty girl to take care of you. It's a good excuse, blah, blah, blah. And then Ethan starts to describe his ideal woman. And I don't remember all the things he said. It was like 
the minute she leaves a room, you miss her immediately. Every time you see her, her your heart skips a beat. It was like shit like that, right? It's yeah. Like you should get your heart checked out if that's the case. Yeah. But Teresa, overhearing this, is elated. She's like, oh, he's talking about me. <laughs> She's serious. <laughs> Seriously, genuinely was like, he's talking about me. Looked at Whitney. It was like, he's talking about me. <laughs> and Whitney smiled at her like, yes, okay, sure. He, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> it was so absurd. And she really, and he goes on and on and on about his ideal woman. She, And then finally he goes, I've already got a woman like that. And she gets even more excited thinking he's going to say her name, I guess. I don't. But then he goes, Gwen. And bitch is shattered. <laughs> shattered. And I was looking at her like, yeah, wh- of course, doll. What did you think? How could you possibly think he was talking about you? Right. How could you possibly think that man is talking about you? He does not know you. He doesn't know the real you at all. Right. Right. And what he has met of you, the disguised Teresa, he likes. But, like, y'all spent 30 seconds together. Right. Like, it's not. Very superficial. Yeah. Like, there's no depth to that relationship at, at all. all. And you're a teenager, doll. Mm-hmm. You're a girl. You're a teenager. Ugh. All these teenagers and all these men. So, yes. So let's uh, leave that where we are, I mm-hmm. guess, and go back to Sheridan. Because she yes. she has left the hospital. She's outside the entrance, kind of near like the parking structure, I think. Mm-hmm. And as she's outside, she says, when will this awful night ever end? I feel it. I feel you, girl. When will this awful night ever end? It's been going on for so many episodes. So, Laura... <laughs> Remember, when we played Bingo, we were watching episode 25. Right. And what was happening in that episode? Do we remember? I was so drunk. I think that's when oh, that's Charity, Charity fell, through, fell the through the planks or whatever. Yeah, the boardwalk. So that happened, like, day before yesterday at oh this point. Oh, my God. We've been on this episode for, like, yeah. 20... Yeah, we've been on this... At least 15 episodes. Yeah, we've been on this night for so long. Yeah. So, so, so long. So, so Sheridan wasn't talking about that specifically, but I empathized with what she said. That's for damn sure. Absolutely. And she starts to have like a flashback and then is startled back to reality by Hank, who's creeping up on her in the dark. That's almost exactly what I wrote in my Really? Notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Sheridan's left alone and has another flashback, then is startled by Hank. <laughs> oh my gosh. He's such a creep. He's kind of greasy and kind of creepy, and I'm sure he'll get worse than where we know about him but right now he just kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies is his head shape and his haircut for me like and his personality but like the personality coupled with like the shape of his head and his haircut i don't it's not doing it for me at all he's got like a little boy haircut mm-hmm. which also doesn't yeah, work it's on like, like a 30 sh- year old man yeah it's kind of shaggy i don't know yeah Mm-mm. yeah i get it he just meh 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 so he's talking with Sheridan, and they end up speaking a little bit about Luis, who overhears them because he has also wandered outside and is like, talking about me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he immediately grills Sheridan about Ethan. Oh, what's going on with Ethan? How did he injure his ankle? What were you doing that, that caused this injury in the middle of the night? You know, trying to figure out information. Yeah, maybe he was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. In a place he shouldn't have been. Yeah. Right. And so... <laughs> Sheridan responds like, why the fuck are you asking me this? And Luis looks at her and says, why are you so defensive? To which she responds, why are you so aggressive? Mm. 
It was good. It was good. We're getting to a good place with these two. Yeah. Yeah. I like their little foreplay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, so she goes back inside. She's like, fuck this. I don't Mm -hmm. have to, I don't have to deal with you. I don't have to, I don't owe you shit. Well, she went outside to avoid dealing with him. Yeah. And he, and he came out and followed her there and she had to deal with him anyway. So I think she's like, well, fuck it. If this is what it is, I guess I'm just going to go inside now. Yeah. So she goes in and finds Eve and goes, hi doctor. I'm Sheridan Crane. I'm Ethan Crane's aunt. And Eve's like, oh yeah, I saw you when you came in. What can I help you? What can I help you with, basically? Mm-hmm. And then Sheridan basically asks her if she can prescribe her something for her insomnia. Yeah, she needs like a sleeping aid. Yeah. And Eve, Eve says, well, I can't really just give you a prescription without an exam. And Sheridan's like, I'll make an appointment very, very soon, but I just need something for a couple days because I just, I have not been sleeping at all. And so Eve says, well, tell me a little bit about this. Explain to me what's going on. And Sheridan says she's struggling with some things from her past. She's like, oh, you know, Dr. Russell, you probably wouldn't understand, you know, but I'm dealing with some stuff from my past. And until I'm able to, you know, really confront that I need help sleeping, basically. And then we get a flashback for Eve. Yeah. Remember when Eve was in that tent and Tabitha was pretending to be a fortune teller? And all that shit happened. Mm-hmm. We got to revisit that. Yeah, so it's coming back. It's coming back. They The writers have not let us completely off track, you know. Thank God. They've left <laughs> some things undone, but they're coming back to a lot of things. Yeah. So, yeah, we get that flashback of Tabitha as the fortune teller telling Eve, I know what you did outside of town all those years ago. I know your secret. <laughs> and then so Eve comes back, too, and she's like, I mean, you'd be surprised. (laughs) We all have things that we don't want to dwell on. Yeah. And so she like swiftly writes, like takes her notes or whatever, writes a little prescription and sends Sheridan on her Mary and is like, make sure you make an appointment. So I think we should then go to Luis and Miguel who are at Charity's side. Yes. At her bedside. Okay. So Charity, as we remember, has been rescued from the fire by Miguel and then was transported by EMS to the hospital. She um, is being treated, and through what Eve has told other characters, we know that she has some swelling in her brain. They won't have definitive answers until the swelling goes down, but it's not looking particularly great, but they won't know more, at least until the morning. So Miguel is at her bedside, Um you know, just praying over Charity and worried for her. And his big brother is there. And Luis gives Miguel a pep talk. Again, we saw him do that with Teresa, and he's done it again here, and it was really nice. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean, he's their father figure. He is, yeah. And so, he, yeah, he comforts Miguel, and then he leaves Miguel alone. Mm-hmm. And then Miguel is sitting next to Charity's bed, very upset, and he's praying to God. And he's saying, I know I skip prayers a lot. I know I haven't, you know been to church a lot because I go to ball practice instead of going to church sometimes and I know you're mad at me but please don't take it out on charity Mm. and he just says please save charity he's really worried and he he says I would do anything to save her and she's everything to me yada 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 meanwhile Kay Mm. is very creepily eavesdropping on this on his prayer like just through the door she's got her head poked in And then she pulls her head out, and she says to Simone, one day, Miguel will feel that way about me. And Simone says to her, 
as long as Charity's alive, he won't care about you. And Kay says very menacingly to herself, yeah, as long as Charity's alive. This girl's awful. And you will, go, you gotta find out just how awful she is in just a second. Just, yep, yep. We gotta get through this hospital shit, but then we're gonna move into the dream sequences. Oh boy, <laughs> and that's where the real, the real meat of this is. Okay, so Sam has gotten a call that the fire is now out. And I assume he and the fire chief are in communication. And so he grabs TC and they decide to head to Castleton together to check out the situation. Mm-hmm. So they st- they say goodbye to Eve. Sam confirms that Grace has been given a sedative and that she's at the hospital and will be okay. Make sure that his girls will be looked after. He's like, just Eve, just make sure they get home if that's okay. She says, no problem. Um, I'll handle all the teen girls. It's not an issue. And then TC and Sam boogie on out to Castleton. Mm -hmm. Um, Then Whitney asks to sleep over at Teresa's house. Eve says yes. Simone asks to sleep over at Kay's house. And Eve also says yes. These girls just never go home. They just never go home. I haven't seen their bed. Have we seen their bedrooms? I think we. I think we saw Whitney's. We saw once. Whitney's room once because yeah. she was on the phone. Because Teresa came to stay at her house yeah. that night. Um, after I don't remember which run in it was, but there was a run. Oh, after the cannery incident. Oh yeah, because she, she couldn't stay at her house because Luis would know. Yeah, she That's stayed. Right. She stayed over at Whitney's house. So yeah, we've only seen Whitney's room once, one time, and we've never seen Simone's. Mm, not a single time. Nope. So they leave. Kay says goodbye to Miguel, gives him a little peck on the cheek, and then uh, and then they all bounce. So we are now basically left with everyone heading out. Doctor Russell staying at the hospital. Hank and Luis are walking down the hallway on the, on their way out, still talking about Sheridan. And Luis says, oh, you know what? Hang on, Hank. I need to find a piece of paper so I can make a note of something. This is so dumb. This is so dumb. And he walks into the nearest exam room, which is where Dr. Russell has left, like, a binder with patient notes. I don't know why it's not on a clipboard. I don't know why it's not in a file. It's in, like, a fucking trapper keeper. Well, I mean, it's, it's a three-wing binder. I, I, that doesn't bother me. I, it bothered me because... Actually, it was, it's better than being on a clipboard because it's at least closed. And it's got her fucking name all over it. Why would he open it? Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. It was, like, written in like ma- on masking tape on the thing. It just, like, did not look like a medical professional's like belongings Mm -hmm. i don't know i I was just like what the this isn't this isn't right like yeah (laughs) there's whatever it doesn't matter but louise picks it picks up her binder and opens it realizes it's not a blank piece of paper and that he's looking at sheridan's medical file and continues to read he opens it up and immediately is like sheridan crane says the past is in the present or something like that Mm -hmm. and he's like i wonder what that means it's like dude first of all this is such a violation yeah and second of all if i need a piece of paper if i'm in a hospital and i need a piece of paper i don't just walk into random rooms i go to the reception desk the nurse's desk yes that's where you're going to find pieces of paper obviously you don't even they don't even keep paper in those exam rooms yeah that was so again flimsy at best at flimsy So, yeah, everybody's leaving this hospital, basically, except for Miguel. Miguel is staying here all night, even though, I, at least I think he is. Eve comes in to tell him, go home. We'll know more in the morning. The neurologist is going to come and do more tests on Charity, and we'll know more tomorrow. But 
is late go home, but does he leave? Because I think he just decides to stay. It doesn't look like he's going to leave. It looks yeah. like he's going to stay. Yeah. So everybody's gone except for Miguel, basically. So let's get to where everybody is and what they are doing. Yeah. Let's quickly go to Castleton, where TC and Sam are looking around the ruins of what what this house used to be. Um, the fire chief says it doesn't look good. It was one of the hottest blazes he's ever seen, but they don't seem to find anything. This was so ignorant. So we don't know. We still don't know what's going on with Faith somehow. Well, Faith, I mean, I would be, I guess this show has surprised me before. Yeah. But I would be shocked if the, if she was alive, if they don't find her body in the morning. I really, I honestly don't know which way the show is going to go on this one. I really don't. But I, I think the dreams are a better way to end it. So I wanted to do Castleton first. <laughs> all right. So let's go to all of our friends back in Harmony who are sound asleep. Let's start with Kay. Let's do it. Kay's asleep in her bed. And she's having a dream. She's got a beautiful smile on her face. She's so happy. She's having this dream. And in this dream... Miguel is standing over Charity's hospital bed, and he's going, Why, Charity? Why did you have to die? Why did you die, Charity? And then Kay walks in with, like, a lily, lays it on on Charity's body, and then looks at Miguel and says, You know, Miguel, before Charity died, she told me that what would make her happiest is if the people she loved the most in the world got together. That's you and me. He goes, She said that? She goes, Yeah. Multiple times, actually. So, I think we should get together. Then, they make out over, literally over Charity's dead body. It is so (laughs) fucked up. They make out over her dead body. Literally one person standing on one side of the hospital bed. The other standing on the other. They lean over Charity and make out. And make out. What the fuck? Over Charity's dead body. And then, we want to continue with her dream, yes? Yes, we must. And then, they stop making out, and Charity pops up. <laughs> she goes, you're a liar, Kay. I'm not dead. <laughs> She's like, I never said that I wanted you to be with Miguel. I never said that. You're, you're, an, you're a liar. And she gets up, and she goes, I'm still alive. And she flips her hair, <laughs> and she grabs Kay and pushes her to the floor. It was great. She kicked her ass. Yeah, and then she walks over to Miguel, and she's like, he'll never be with you. It was awesome. And Kay's sitting there on the ground, looking all pissed off and defeated. And all of a sudden, like, a stream of water starts pouring on her head. And I was yeah. like, what is happening now? And it was one of those things where reality starts affecting your dream. Mm -hmm. Because what's happening, as she wakes up from this dream, she realizes that Simone is pouring a bucket of water over her Yeah, Simone's pouring water all over her, and Simone's going, she wakes up, she's like, what the hell? And Simone's like, you were blabbing in your sleep, and you're worse than I ever thought you would be. Mm -hmm. I can't believe what I heard. I'm going home now. And she storms out? Yeah. Ooh, Kay is awful. She's something else. awful. So let's let's go over to the Lopez Fitzgerald home where Teresa and Whitney are sleeping. Yes. And let's talk about Whitney's dream cuz they go from Kay's awful dream to Whit to, I'm sorry, from Kay's awful dream to Teresa's dream and the the difference between these two girls. Like they're both so delusional but yeah. There's so much malice in Kay's heart and Teresa's dream 
it was so wholesome for what the for the subject matter, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, so what's Teresa's dream? Teresa is asleep, and in her dream, Ethan is sitting in a hospital room, and she walks in. She says, "Oh, honey, are you all right?" Uh, and he's like, oh, I'll be just fine, love. Blah, 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 blah. She says something about, oh, the kids send their love. You know, they're at home worried about their dad. And and, and he's like, oh, well, I love the, the kids. They're the best. And she says, what did the doctor prescribe for your for your injury? And he says, oh, well, shut the door. He said that I'm supposed to make love to my beautiful wife four times a day. And see, that's how you know. That's how you know that this is a child having this dream, a teenage girl having this dream who has not had sex. We have jobs. Four times a day? You lucky if we're doing four times a week? Four times a day, you wouldn't be able to walk. Four times a day? Jesus Christ. I got shit to do. Oh my God! You're gonna have to stop. You're gonna have to get off of me. Go, mm-hmm. get out of me. <laughs> get out of me and into something else. Into, well, into some pants. Yeah, yeah. And go to work. So in her dream, then they make out. Right? Naturally, they make out in that dream. Then we go to Whitney's dream, and in Whitney's dream, Whitney's dream was the actually kind of the strangest to me because yeah. Like, yes, we know Kay is awful and we know what Kay wants. And we know, we absolutely know what Teresa wants. But mm-hmm. this was kind of new for, for Whitney. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, in this dream, Frank is a doctor. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> and he's, like, checking out her ankle and making sure she's okay. She says, Dr. Lomax, is, it, is everything okay? And he goes, you can call me Frank. <laughs> and, and, and then... He says, you know, Whitney, you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. You are the girl of my dreams. And then they kiss. Make out. They make out. And then they make out. I hated it. And then they make out. But again, I think that this one shows like the innocence of like a teenage girl's dream where she's just like, oh, I'm the damsel in distress and this handsome doctor and all, you know what I mean? Like that's just kind of the older man power structure she you know in order to make it okay she makes him a doctor which actually makes it less okay but whatever (laughs) but it's it's very innocent it's all very innocent yeah compared to k compared to k that shit was nuts awful all right so So let's head over to sheridan yeah the last woman that we need to talk about sheridan has taken her somonex or whatever (laughs) ambien or whatever (laughs) eve has prescribed for her and she's she took a sleeping pill and went to sleep on the couch. She's laying on the couch. They didn't have a budget for a bedroom. <laughs> like, go to bed. Like, you took a sleeping pill. Yeah. Go get in your bed. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about it that. It doesn't make any sense. Honestly, they just must must not have room for it on the soundstage or, like, a budget for it or whatever. Because we've seen her cottage. Like, it's been established that that's the space. We've never seen yeah. the room. I just... She's going to wake up with a horrible a crick, crick in her, in her neck. neck. She really is. Mm-hmm. Anyway... So Sheridan's dream is much, much, much darker. I mean, Kay's dream is super dark. Are you kidding? (laughs) Kay's dream is by far the darkest. Kay's dream is extremely dark, but it's, one, not rooted in any sort of reality. Mm. And two, it is mostly kind of a positive dream to her. Right. right? Like, it's not a nightmare for her. Yeah. Versus Sheridan, Sheridan, whose dream is what? 
her dream, it's, it's, we go back to this flashback. So remember, when she sleepwalks, she often has this dream where she, as adult Sheridan, can look and see what young Sheridan is doing, kind of in, in pieces and kind of in flashes. And so we're back in the living room watching the scene where young Sheridan has blood all over her hands and she's being told no one will ever love me. What's, you know, what have I done? I'm so sorry, all this other stuff. And so adult Sheridan now enters the scene and looks at young Sheridan and she says, please, what happened? You have to tell me what happened that night. And young Sheridan turns around to face adult Sheridan and then she disappears, which is what always happens in Sheridan's dreams. Mm -hmm. And she starts to sob. Yeah. Uncontrollably. And then we see a man dressed all in black walking towards Sheridan. And his face is covered with like a black fedora. Yeah. And he's looking down kind of and he's walking towards her kind of slowly. And she's like, who are you? Who are you? And then he whispers something in her ear. We don't know what it is. Mm -hmm. And then she hugs him and he hugs her. And she's just like, who are you? Oh. It's Louise. It's definitely Louise. Remember when she was having those dreams about Jean Luc mm-hmm. trying to kill her him. and somebody saving her? It was absolutely Louise. Mm-hmm. And he, it's the man in this dream is wearing the same outfit. You yeah. know, it's totally Louise. I kind of, I honestly, I love this. I do too. I do. Like the way the way they have written this and the way that it's the direction that it's going. I really love it. I do too. Oh, I because I, she she's absolutely like no one will ever love me. I'm horrible. No one can ever love me. And you know that he leaned down and he whispered in her ear, "I love you," and and you should love you too. And he gave her the biggest hug. And, and also, you oh. know that Luis is going to likely get to the bottom of whatever happened and absolve her of any like guilty feelings. Of course, like you know that that that's where we're headed. I hope anyway. Mm-hmm. And that. Is like the greatest act of love for a person, I think. Yeah. Like, I feel like she's going to feel so loved by him saying, like, no, there's no way that you did this once he figures out what's going on mm-hmm. and, like, getting to the bottom of it for her. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially because he has no love for Sheridan right now. Right. You know what I mean? He He wants to figure out what this is and absolving her of this guilt and... And solving the crime does not benefit him in any way, mm-hmm. other than it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and he has no ulterior motives when it comes to Sheridan. So, like, it just is going to be so pure and beautiful. Yeah. And it means it means more. And Sheridan's used to people doing things for her or having some kind of angle when it comes to her. Mm-hmm. That they want something from her. But mm-hmm. he doesn't want anything but the truth. I think it's also going to be interesting to watch this flip of her family and the people who are supposed to love and protect her actually betrayed her mm-hmm. for their own self-interest. And Luis, who has a problem with the family and doesn't like the Cranes and doesn't doesn't has has nothing to prove by making them the good guys, is going to come in and show Sheridan what actual love looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I love it. I love this little Louise and Sheridan thing. Me too. I really do. All right. So we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with episode 54. Woohoo! Woo! See you on the flip side. (laughs) And we're back. We're back. We're back from the break. Back at it. Episode 54 was kind of a snooze fest. I mean, I had some laughs. 
I had some laughs, but it was kind of slow. Yeah, it was a little slow, but we're going to tell you about it anyway. Yeah, (laughs) it's important, especially because we started a new day. Yeah, it's finally the next day. I want to go back and figure out how long that night took, or that day was. Too long. I got that... I got other things to do before <laughs> before I do that. But, yeah, it was so long. Well, and the crazy thing was, when we started watching this episode, they kept referring to things that happened the previous night that they did not show us. So I kept yeah. thinking, did we miss something? Yeah, we actually stopped the episode. I was like, am I on the wrong episode? Because, yeah, stuff was, they were telling us about things that we never saw. But, like, they spent so much time showing us things. Why not either, A, talk about those things, or B... Show us the stuff that they are, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like. What's another day? What's another day? Like, what's another episode in this night? Yeah, Show right? us these things, please. 16 or 17 episodes worth of one, however many episodes worth of this night. Yeah. So, anyway, we're in a new day here in Harmony. We're in a new day. And this, this episode opens up at the youth center mm-hmm. where Hank, who is just following Luis around. Hank is just following Luis everywhere he goes like at this a point. puppy. It, I don't get it. I guess is he his best friend? I are they BFFs? I don't think so. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they are. I don't know. I don't really get it. Hank's following Luis every fucking where. Yeah. So Hank has followed Luis to the youth center, and the, neither of them have showered. Neither of them have been home. They've been out all night. I guess I get why Luis has gone to the youth center because he want, it's like his job and he wants to get there and do some things before going home, I guess, because he had to get it open. I don't I really don't understand why they went to the youth center instead of going home, getting showered and then going to the youth center. Yeah, well, Luis said he wanted to get some things done specifically before the kids got there. So I think the, he came off of his shift at the police department Hank was covered in soot, so and he was talking about being at the fire with his brother Sam, so he must have gone there, and then they like met up at the youth center to paint that room before the kids got there. Uh, yeah, anyway, they go into this storeroom, and Luis is like, yeah, I wanted to paint this room today, and Hank's like, well, it'll go faster with the two of us. I'll help you out, buddy. He just wants to, he's just up Luis's ass. Yeah. He really is. I don't know why. Maybe there's like... What's his angle? Yeah. Maybe there's something going on there. I don't know. He does tell Luis, you know, oh, you know what, buddy... Sorry. Hank does tell Luis, buddy, you're working too hard. And Luis is like, I've got bills to pay. Mm -hmm. Winter is right around the corner. Winter is coming. (laughs) But they just had like their July... It's July, but winter is coming. But he's like, winter is just around the corner. And last year's bill, like heating bills were super expensive and I've just got to start squirreling away money while I can. And Hank cracks a joke about how when he marries Sheridan, he'll pay all of their bills and they'll be living on easy street. Yeah. He's like, you'll never have to worry about bills again. I'll tell all of those utility companies that her family owns never to send you a bill. <laughs> like, okay, sure. That's how it works. And then Hank tries to get Luis to like shirk his responsibilities. Mm. He's just like, why don't we go up to the mountains and go skiing? And Luis is like, I can't, I have, Multiple jobs. People who depend on me. Right. Of responsibilities. And Hank's like, well, you know, the word responsibility, the R word gives, makes me break out in hives. It's just like, ugh, you're like 30. I mean, really. And, but he's like, come on, man. We used to do it all the time when we were in high school. And Louise is like, we're not in high school. 
We're not in high school, and also, aren't you supposed to be in Harmony to put away money for your nest egg? Why are you up my ass? Why are you trying to, like, go goof off in the mountains with me? And what are you doing for work? Yeah, Louise starts to get a little suspicious of Hank. He's like, what? How are you getting by without having any money? Mm-hmm. And Hank kind of, he's like, look, I had some money saved. I, it's fine. I'm doing all right. Don't worry about me. Don't ask questions. And Luis presses him again, and Hank says, oh, you know me, I just tap dance through life. And then he, like, sidesteps the conversation completely because he notices that Beth has come into the youth center with coffee and breakfast for the guys. Yeah. So Beth shows up with her coffee, and Luis immediately leaves to go take a shower. He's just like, <laughs> oh, okay, hey, Beth. Gotta go. Yeah. I mean, at least, I mean, he didn't do it like that, but that's what happened. Beth showed up to do something nice for him, and he couldn't even stick around to have a little conversation with her. Yeah. He just fucking left. He was like, "Will you be back? Will you be here when I get back?" He, but which is indicative of their entire relationship. Exactly. He really takes her for granted. Yeah. And he, she's bending over backwards and being very thoughtful, and yeah, she just will take what she can get. Sadly. Yeah, yeah. And so Louise leaves to go take a shower. And Beth and Hank sit down for a little conversation. Hank says, like, I see you're still in love with Louise or something like that. <laughs> and she's like, what? Does it show? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I've tried my best to to not show how much I love him, basically. She kind of pours out her heart. And it made me feel for her. Yeah. I think it's that thing where sometimes it's easier to talk to a stranger about deeply personal things than it is about, you know, someone that you know. Mm -hmm. And she probably knows Hank peripherally from, like, when they were younger. Like, they're all in the same age group, you know, from the small town. Although, did Sam... I guess they all grew up together? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, they're from Harmony. And so, it might maybe it's kind of easy for her to talk to Hank about this, but she's like, you know... When Luis told me that he couldn't marry me because he had responsibilities and had to take care of the family, it broke my heart and I cried for months. Yeah. And um, she says that as long as his dad, Martin, is missing that, he's always going to put his mom and his siblings before his own personal life. And so the best she can hope for is an occasional dinner, sometimes a movie, and that has to be enough. That's yeah. how, that's the only way she can keep him in her life. Yeah. It's been, ugh, ugh. At least I keep his eyes in my life. Exactly. She'll never be satisfied. <laughs> oh, that's it's perfect. Yeah. So Aww. Hank really feels for Beth. I can, you can kind of tell that he's like, oh, Luis is an idiot, you know? Yeah, I feel for Beth. I did. I felt bad for Beth. So Luis comes back and he's like, oh, did I interrupt a heavy conversation? And Beth or Hank, I don't remember who, says something about the coffee. They was like, well, no, we were just having a conversation about the coffee. And Hank was saying that it was, it was strong enough to give him a heart attack or some bullshit. And then... <laughs> Luis gives Beth a hug and a kiss on the cheek and is like, all right, get out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm yeah. sure you got to get back to work now. You can leave. Mm. Oh, poor Beth. I feel bad for Beth. So after Beth leaves, Hank looks at Luis and says, did you ever think that maybe Beth was the perfect girl for you? Remember that conversation we had where you were worried that you let the perfect girl slip through your fingers? You ever think it was her? And Luis doesn't really respond. That's like the end of that. <laughs> yeah, I, he just lets it 
kind of simmer for a second. And then he's like, look, we got to go paint this room. Yeah, he's so, like, I don't want to engage in this. So they go and paint. <laughs> they go and paint the storage room with the door closed. And no, there's no windows. There's no fucking ventilation. And I was like, this is a big problem. They also said that they were going to paint the storage room and then just painted the doors in the storage room. Well, it was like a door and a wall. Luis was painting the wall and Hank was painting the door. Mm. And then the, because the, there was another door that looked like it had also been painted red. So maybe they were know, trying to match it. I don't know. I don't know. But they go in to do the most dangerous thing, which is paint a room with no ventilation. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Ugh. Although, have, I do love the smell of paint. Like, fresh paint. I don't. Mm. I do not love the, Ooh, the smell love of fresh the smell paint. Of fresh paint. Mm-mm. So, they're painting this room, and then what happens? Not much. They paint a room. Yeah, they paint this room. They have a conversation. <laughs> Louise says, yeah, Beth may have been the girl for me, but I, I won't be doing anything about it until I'm ready to commit to marriage. So... Louis, I feel like Luis, I think he likes Beth enough. I don't think he's, like, in love with her. Mm-hmm. I don't think Luis has ever really been in love. Mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of a theme here with him and Sheridan, mm-hmm. is that they've never really found the right person to love and to love them. And, yeah, he's like, but once I feel com- ready to commit to marriage, then I'll, I'll, maybe I'll marry Beth. Mm. Basically is what he basically is what he says. Mm. I don't know. It's, eh. And then he does. He goes to Hank. He says, "Did I ever tell you about my little sister's obsession with Ethan?" <laughs> with so Ethan random. Crane. And then he he's like, "I will not be responsible for my actions if the unlikely happens and she ends up with a crane." <laughs> yeah. Then <laughs> so they then they continue talking more about Sheridan. They talk about Sheridan and. Luis is thinking about what he read in Sheridan's file that she said, the past haunts the present. And he keeps saying it. The past haunts the present. What do you think that means? He's talking to Hank. (laughs) What do you think that means? The past haunts the present. And Hank is like, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then finally Sheridan shows up seven minutes late. Seven whole minutes late. She's late for her first day at the youth center. Should we talk about why she's late? What happened at the mansion before she got there? So let's go back to the Crane Mansion where Sheridan is bringing Ethan breakfast in bed. Waiting on him hand and foot. Because remember he broke his ankle or sprained or twisted something to his ankle. Yeah. Did they say what happened I think they said it was a really bad sprain. Oh, okay. Why can't he get out of bed? Why doesn't yeah, why didn't they give him like a little walking cast, like an air cast or something? This makes no sense. Why can't he get out of bed? I've sprained my ankles many times. I've broken both of my feet. Yeah. <laughs> I broke my ankle. I like and I walked every time one time, one time I broke my foot. My parents didn't take me to the hospital for a full month. <gasps> I walked oh. around on a broken foot for a full month. Because our healthcare system is so fucked up, yeah. <laughs> my parents are like, uh, it's probably fine. Oh my god! Yeah, so I walked around on a broken foot. So Ethan can get out of bed. Yeah, I don't know why he won't get out of bed. <sighs> but what do they talk about? Basically, Sheridan's like, oh, it's like she walks in as he's like, I think w- waking up from like a slumber, and she goes, oh, I can kind of tell based based on your face and what you were muttering that you were having a really 
interesting dream about Gwen. Wink, wink. And he goes, it was a really interesting dream, but it wasn't about Gwen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A romantic dream about a different woman, a, another woman. And she goes, woman. she goes, no way. Tell me who. Who was it? He's like, I don't know. But it might have been about the thing that happened at the movie theater. And then he tells Sheridan about the fact that he had like been macking on some girl's hand at the movie theater and he thought it was Gwen's but then it turns out it wasn't and then Sheridan questions like who this girl is and why she would let him kiss her hand and he's like I don't I don't know but it happened it happened and then she's like why would she do that and then disappear yeah like this whole thing doesn't make any sense then I guess she tells him that she has to get ready to go to the youth center and that well, she Teresa tells, would be looking after him? She, yeah, she tells him that Ivy has decided to have Teresa help him today instead of her. Got it. And he's like, she didn't have to do that. I, I can manage, blah, blah, blah. But here's what I thought. Ethan is like an executive at Crane Industries. Why doesn't he have his own personal assistant? Right. He doesn't have an assistant or a receptionist or somebody who like can help him type and do things he must like wear it as a badge of honor that he because he likes to think of himself as like among the people you know what i mean uh-huh. he doesn't want to think of himself as, as an elite person so maybe he doesn't want to have a personal assistant but then he just puts the burden on others around him to then borrow a pa when he needs one i don't i don't know yeah i don't know but yeah ivy's gonna have Teresa help him and then sheridan and ethan talk more about her secret, and she says that as soon as her community service is over, she's going to be getting the fuck out of Harmony. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm done with this. I'm getting out of here. Did we talk about her dream? Did they talk about that? Not yet, but it was in that conversation. Yeah. she Because they're kind of sharing their dreams that they had, and she tells him about the one where a man dressed in black, his face was concealed by a hat, had come up to her. And whispered in her ear, I'm the one who loves you. I know what you did, and I love you. And that was the one where, in that moment, we couldn't hear Mm -hmm. what was whispered into her ear. But now we know what that side of the conversation was. Yes, yes. And it was so sweet. I don't know, when she said it, it made my heart kind of skip a beat. It's like, oh, Sheridan, it's Louise. It's Louise. It's Louise. I know what you did, and I love you. He'll love you regardless. Because you didn't do anything anyway. Yeah. So they talk some more about her, her leaving Harmony. And he's mm-hmm. saying that he doesn't want her to leave and she should stay. And she's like, nah, n- no, no. <laughs> Gotta go. I'm going to do my community service hours and then I'm heading straight to Paris. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out of here, brother. But she is worried about Luis, you know, sniffing out her secret. And Ethan says, you know what? Just don't give him anything to be suspicious about. And that's it. And that's She heads it. out. She heads out. So she goes over to the youth center. Back over at the youth center. She's seven minutes late. Luis gives her a little hard time about that. And she's like, the, the traffic on Maine was so terrible. And honestly, my time driving here, my commute here should in, be included in my 100 hours. Yeah. That's not how it works. Travel time should be part of my community service That's hours. not how it works. That's not how a job works. She has never worked. Has anybody ever experienced that where travel time counted towards like hours worked? That's crazy no the only the closest thing i can think of is like if i'm doing 
a performance somewhere and I'm having a my accompanists come with me and they might have me charge me for their travel. Sure. Right? Yeah. But no, you don't get paid like for how long it takes you to get to work. Right. <laughs> that doesn't make I know any sense. Some companies will have um will like subsidize your travel if you're on like a train or something like that, but right. yeah, they don't pay you for your time on the train. No. It's absurd. Anyway, she's ridiculous. Ridiculous. <laughs> she doesn't she just she doesn't know how a job works. It seems she's a like princess. That. Yeah. She doesn't know how a job works. Yeah. She doesn't. So, at the youth center, Sheridan has arrived a little bit late. Louis gives her a little bit of a hard time. Hank comes out and he's like, "Get lay off, right?" <laughs> she tells him she's going to be leaving Harmony as soon as she's done with her community service hours and he's like, "Oh, really?" Why, I wonder why. Like he, he's like, hmm. Could it have something to do with this secret you're hiding? Basically, so much for not giving him anything to be suspicious yeah. about. Like, just don't fucking talk to him about yourself. Like, that's it, really easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't want him to know about you, don't talk about yourself. Yeah. <laughs> he tells her after he gives her a little good-natured ribbing. He, he tells her he's like, look. This is what I want you to do today. Ribbed There's, for her pleasure? Oh. Sorry. That was delayed. I'm sorry. It's okay. So he says, look, the, there's paper in the storage room. The copy machine's right over there. Just make some flyers for next week's ball game. You think you can handle that? And she's like, I can handle it. Although, I'm sure she has no clue how to use a copy machine. <laughs> I doubt she can handle it. I'm sure she has no clue how to use a copy machine. So she goes into this, this freshly painted storage room. I'm sorry. What? I'll bet. When she goes to that copy machine, she's going to just hit the button over and over. She's not going to know that you have to set it to make 100 copies. You know what I mean? Oh, like my God. She's, she's not going to know how to resize anything. Like, it's going to be a disaster. And so she goes into the storage room. She gets the paper. And as she's leaving, she puts her hands. Now, this, she puts her hands on the freshly painted door to push it. But who opens a door like that? Yeah, without using the handle. Yeah, who opens a door like that? Who pushes... P- toddlers open doors yeah. like that. So the door is painted red. I was like, she's going to have a flashback. Yeah. She pushes <laughs> the door with both of her hands. She pulls back and she's got that red paint all, all over her hands. And she like freezes for a moment. She's like, you know, and has her little flashback moment of Alistair saying, Sheridan, what have you done? And then Louise comes in and goes... What have you done, Sheridan? <laughs> and she snaps out of it, and she kind of rushes out. She's like, you should at least put up a wet paint sign. I will say, they painted the inside of our elevator mm-hmm. uh, over, I don't know, a few months. I think it was probably last summer. It was a while ago. I don't know. But they, so our elevator has like a door that you do have to push to open and then it has like the the sliding door inside of it. Um, And there was no wet paint sign and it had been freshly painted and it does have a, like a handle, but you can just push it. And Mm. I just pushed it. It stuck all over my hands, Mm. all over the bags I was carrying. I got it all over the clothes I was wearing. I I was covered in green paint. (laughs) So like I, I get, I kind of get it a little. No, I mean, I get it. There should be a wet paint sign, although they had just started painting and she came in and, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they went out. They weren't finished painting. They went right. out to I mean, talk to her. But I basically am saying that because the uh, super of our building should have put up a wet paint sign and so should have Luis. Right. But he wasn't done. Yeah. Like you put up a wet paint sign once you like 
walking away from it. I think they were done because he he went and took a shower. He went and took a shower before they painted. Remember, he changed clothes. Beth came. He got coffee. He went to take a shower. He came back. They started to paint the room. Sheridan came in seven minutes late. Oh, yeah. That's the order of operations here. Yeah, so, so I don't think they would were done. Why did he take a shower before he did the because whatever. they had been at, because they had been out all night. Yeah, I think it was just he was dirty. Okay, you know. So anyway, Sheridan rushes out and try to tries to get away from him after having a an episode. She has an episode mm. basically. She's like, oh, as soon as I'm done with this community service, I'm out of here. You know. Mm-hmm. And that's basically it at the youth center, right? Yep, that's everything that happens at the youth center. So we should move on to the Lopez Fitzgerald home. Your favorite home. I love this house. Full of love. Mm-hmm. House full of love. A house full of, of love. love. So over at this home, Teresa and Whitney are asleep. Whitney wakes up. She's like, Teresa, get up. It's time to get up. It's getting late. Let's get up. Get ready for this day, right? And then they talk about their dreams and fantasies. Teresa just goes on and on. She's like, I don't want to get up. You you woke me from my wonderful dream about Ethan, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. And then she looks at Whitney and she's like, and I know you were dreaming about Frank Lomax. <laughs> <laughs> they, they do that thing they do. They do the thing they always they do. They do the thing they always do. I know I didn't really write very much because they do the thing they always do. Yeah, they talk about attraction. One of the things they talked about that I thought was really funny is that Teresa is like, yeah, when Titanic came out, I used to fantasize about us being Kate and Leo, only it was me and Ethan. I'm like, why? Why would you want That's that? That's another tragedy. Why, why does she keep having that? fantasies about movies where she and Ethan play star-crossed lovers who don't end up together? Why would you want that? <laughs> like, why don't, why don't you want, like, when, when Harry met Sally? Why right. don't you want, like... You've got mail. Why right. don't you want, like, I, you, yeah. I just don't understand why this is your narrative. It's always dramatic These people who things. do not end up together. Right. They always, do not end up together. And in this one, he fucking dies. Not only do you not end up together, he dies. He dies, and you both go through an awful ordeal. Right. So why is this the thing that you aspire to live? To be. I, I, don't, I, don't. I, I thought that was just really strange. I don't get it, Teresa. <laughs> so they talk about the same old shit. And Whitney's like, I got to head out. I got tennis lessons, blah, blah, blah. And on her way out, she sees a picture. And she's like, oh, you didn't tell me you got the film back, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, yeah, I did. And Teresa says, you can take that, that picture if you want. And Whitney says, oh, thanks. And she takes the picture and she puts it in her tennis bag. Well, we all know where this is going. Yes. <laughs> we all know where it's going. The minute I saw that, I was like, okay, somebody's <laughs> going to see this picture of her and Teresa together. Probably Frank Lomax. <laughs> so Whitney leaves. And then what happens? And then Pilar comes in to tell Teresa that Miguel has called from the hospital. Because remember, he's there with Charity. And Pilar has a, one of those moments that's always really awkward. I don't know if you had this with your parents. A couple times, I've had these moments in like childhood where my parents would fall the fuck apart and sob to me about yeah. like how how terrible they are and how they feel terrible for ruining my life and <laughs> apologizing for being a bad father, a bad mother. And I, I think most people probably have those moments. Something like that. But Pilar has something like that with Teresa, and she starts to break down and is like, I wonder what I've done that has brought all this pain down on our family. Miguel has saved this girl who's probably going to die. You are insisting on going to prison because you <laughs> can't leave this man alone. My husband and my oldest son is missing. 
Louise has to take care of the family because I can't provide. Like, she just goes off. Yeah. <laughs> and Teresa's like, Mom, it's going to be okay. Like, she tries to comfort her mother, and Pilar just begs her, please, can you stay away from Ethan Crane? There's too, there, there's too many things going on. Like, I just need one win. Yeah. Stay the fuck away from Ethan. I worry about you, Teresa, she says. Yeah. And then Teresa launches into quite the speech. Quite the speech. It's actually kind of great. It's a wonderful speech. Well, the first part, I was like, girl. But the second part, I was yeah. like, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. Yeah. So, <laughs> she starts talking... The first part of the speech is her telling Pilar about the chicken coop poetry incident. (laughs) So we get that flashback of her in that chicken costume and Ethan reciting poetry to her. She walks in loveliness or something. Which one was it? Is that it? No, Uh, it's not. No, it's uh, It's that Lord Byron poem. I, I can't remember, but it's something like that. And all I can think of is some, what was it, the Schumann, Venon, Dinan, Algazine? That's all I can think of. That's not the right thing at all. All I can think is she walks in loveliness, and that's not right either. But it's something like that. It's romantic. Anyway, she tells Pilar about that, starts to kind of cry a little bit, because she's like, he was telling, he he recited the poem to me, and and then as soon as Gwen showed up, he said it to her, and I thought, (laughs) I thought, Mama, that he was in love with me and had figured out who I was. Bitch, you were in a full-blown chicken costume. (laughs) A chicken costume. I just, she is a nut. Oh, I love her so much. Oh, I love her so much. And so, but then she launches into the second half of this speech, which is kind of great. Right. And that's the part that I liked. And she's like, you know, Mama, I don't work for Ethan. I work for Ivy. And I've loved Ethan since I was a little girl. But working for Ivy is the best opportunity I have to live a better life. She's like, I can leave all of this behind. I can have, I can have options. I can have opportunities. I can not be judged for who I am or our family name or where I come from. Like, I can live a good life and I can provide. I can help, you know? Yeah, provide for all of us. Right. Not just me, for all of us. Mm-hmm. So she does that whole thing and she basically tells Pilar, I'm not going to quit this job and I'm not going to stay away from Ethan. <laughs> and, and Pilar gives her bad advice. Such a bad... It's like, Pilar, be a mom. Be a mother. Yeah. What does she say to her? I don't remember. I just wrote she gives her bad advice. I think she's just like, be careful. Yeah, she basically is like, okay, Teresa, but just stay away from Ethan. Do your best to stay away from Ethan. It's like, no, what you need to tell her is quit your job. Which, yeah, she needs to tell her to quit her job and she needs to tell her, you know, if you don't, I will. Yeah, she needs to put her foot down. Yeah. There are some boundaries that have not been established around this. Yeah. And Pilar needs to put those in place. So Teresa's going to head to work in her costume today. Yep. She She's going to head over there. So let's go over to... Whitney. Whitney. To the country club, where Whitney is ready to start her lessons for the day, teaching lessons. And Frank Lomax has stalked Whitney and has forced his way into her schedule. Her teaching schedule. I can't fucking stand Frank Lomax. I need him to not be in the show anymore. I'm not going to do what I've been doing and just go on a rant about being a pedophile. But, like, Frank Lomax is a pedophile. And he keeps inserting himself into this child's life. And I fucking can't stand it. Yeah. I didn't write many notes besides what I have already said. That's, like, all I wrote Mm -hmm. um, about this exchange. Because I was less than interested in it. 
Because he is, he's annoying just as a character. And he's a, he's bad at his job. He's so bad at his job. And, yeah. it, you know, I don't know. You're a private detective, a PI, and you haven't gotten to the... Like, how are you letting these two teenage girls give you the fucking runaround? Right? <laughs> I just... I also, don't understand. Also, you've been fired from the job. Like, this, it's not actually yeah, your job anymore just, to do he, this. He's just being a creep at this point. Yeah. So, yeah, she, he, he, he... He shows up and insists on getting a lesson. She starts to, like, teach him how to hold the racket. And she goes, oh, you've got a good natural grip there. And it's like, ugh. And then she's like, you know, you need to keep your body loose. Don't open your hips up too soon. Like, all of this language that's, like, you know, on the borderline of being explicit. And Frank looks at Whitney because she's kind of doing that thing where she's standing around and kind of has her hands on his hands showing him how to hold the racket. And he turns to her and he says, you know, Whitney, you're such a beautiful girl. For a liar. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> For like, a what liar. is this? And she becomes very indignant. Like, you know what? If you don't call me a liar and if you're going to act like this, then you maybe you need to get a different teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, I didn't mean it the way it sounded. I didn't mean it like that. It's like, how else do you mean it? You me how a- else can you mean calling somebody yeah. a liar? You call me a fucking liar. You call me a liar to my face. Yeah. How am I supposed to take that? He negged her. He, he's he negging did. her. He is. <laughs> he gave her a compliment and then gave her like a negative criticism. Yeah. Ugh, he's gross. He's awful. So he's like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. And blah, blah, blah. I don't know what he says. What, I'm not remember? really sure like how he manages to cover because he asks about the stalker again. And Whitney says, "You, I have told you everything I know. And he says, that's not true. You're obviously covering and your parents are going to be so mad at you and so disappointed in you when they find out you're hiding a criminal and yada yada. And Whitney's like, look, if I promise to tell you the truth, will you promise to stop looking? And he says yes. And he, she says the girl will never stalk him again. Picks up her bag and leaves the court. But her picture falls out. Of course it does. Of <sighs> course. The picture of her and Teresa together falls out of her bag. Frank Lomax picks it up and goes, wow. Whitney's a knockout. And he's like ogling her. And then he sees Teresa in the picture and he goes, this girl looks familiar. Why does this girl look familiar? It's like... <sighs> he says the same thing Ethan always says. She looks so familiar. She looks so familiar. And then he like seems to have figured it out that the girl in the picture with Whitney is Ethan's stalker because he asks another person on the court about the girls in the picture and he says, "Have you? do you know these girls? And he's like, yeah. Wh- you know, Whitney works here, and that one's here all the time. Mm-hmm. And then Frank goes, yeah, but she moved out of the country, right? And he's like, not as far as I know, <laughs> you know. And so now Frank Lomax is back really hot on the trail. Ugh. So he knows, he doesn't know her name. He doesn't know that that is Teresa, but he knows who she is, what she looks like who she's friends with. So yeah, we're, we're close. We're, we are boiling this thing down, yeah, which like, is great. It's, it's coming down. Thank God. We're on the back end of this whole Teresa disguise situation. Mm-hmm. This is all going to come out here soon. I think I mean, it's been going on for 54 episodes. It's been going on for so it's long time <laughs> and it is, it is absolutely time. And that actress is so beautiful. Like her walking around in those frumpy outfits, like, I'm sure she was like, y'all have to cut this, like, as soon as possible, because I can't be looking like this on TV all the time. So, 
hopefully this whole storyline won't go on as long as the Grace and Faith uh, shit did. Let's hope. Let's hope. Which we didn't get any more Grace and Faith stuff I know. in this episode. So let's go to the Crane Mansion. Yeah. Back to the Crane Mansion. Yes, because Teresa has shown up for work and was sent straight to Ethan's room. Yep. Uh, Ivy wants her to help him out for the day because apparently he can't do anything for himself because he has a sprained ankle. And he asks her to type up some stuff, like some documents that he wrote. Why can't he On a laptop! On a laptop! He could do it in his bed! I think he just can't type. Because he's writing everything out on those yellow legal pads. I think he just doesn't know how to type. And so... Because remember, Ivy asked Teresa, are you good with computers? Do you know how to type? Mm -hmm. So I think that must be a skill that she and Ethan just don't possess. I don't I I just don't don't understand. I don't know. Like he that's work hopefully he can type, but maybe he can't. I mean he has an Ivy League education and it's the fucking nineties. Hopefully he can type. I don't know. I'm 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 trying to think when I took typing classes in in middle school. I was like sixth grade, but sixth grade for me was the new millennium, was nineteen ninety nine going into two thousand. So maybe like they were still handwriting things. I will say, my mom, college my mom, stuff. my mom took typing classes. They used to take typing classes in high school on like what are those things oh, called? Yeah, typewriters. Yeah. He should know how to type. Yeah, he I should. I didn't think about and that. And also, he. I mean, he went to college in the new millennium, so surely he had to write papers in college. Well, he or, went to or in the nineties, but, but still, yeah. surely he had to write papers in the in college and type them. Yeah, even if it wasn't on a computer, on a typewriter. Yeah, like they don't. They, I'm sure they stopped accepting handwritten papers, term papers, long ago. Yeah, I didn't think about that. So he should know how to type. Yeah, he should know how to type. I, whatever. He gives her some shit to type up. Then she sees his book, the Lord Byron book. Mm-hmm. They start to talk about the poetry, and he says that English is his favorite subject. She says, English is my favorite subject. I'm in honors English at hi- in high school. <laughs> Let us not forget She's in honors English. In high school. And he is a practicing attorney. Yeah. And so then Pilar comes in and goes, Teresa, what are you doing in here? The fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Bitch, I told you. (laughs) And Teresa says, oh, Mrs. Crane told me to come and help Ethan today instead of her. And Pilar's like, well, Mr. Crane needs his rest. Mm -hmm. Mr. Ethan needs his rest, blah, blah, blah. And Ethan goes, it's okay, Pilar. We're just finding out what how much we have in common. Mm-hmm. And so Pilar like ushers Teresa out of the room and closes the door. And she's like, what the fuck? It's <laughs> 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 like, look at you. Ten minutes alone with Ethan. You're back all ready to get your heart broken all over again. Look at your life. Look at your choices. Look at your fucking choices, Ophelia. <laughs> Look at your choices. Ophelia is so bad for yourself. Step away from the water. <laughs> Look at your life. Look at your choices. Oh, my gosh. Oh. So that happens. So that happens. Ethan, I guess, drifts off while they're having this conversation and starts having nightmares about Teresa being an axe murderer. Yeah, about the re- like the real Teresa, the the stalker. The stalker. He sees what we know as Teresa, the real right. Teresa, you know, with an axe. Yeah. Creeping in his bedroom and he's she's going to attack him in his sleep. In reality, Teresa in disguise has come into his room finishes typing the document, is going to lay the file next to him on his bed when he's sleeping, and he wakes up and grabs her wrist Yep. right as she's leaning over him 
and says, I've got you. I'm going to make you pay now. But... He's we obviously yeah. still like coming to from his dream. Yeah, and the so. last the last shot of the show is just Teresa like looking directly into the camera, going, <gasps> like gasping. <laughs> it's great. So that's the whole episode. Yes, that's the whole thing. Okay, we did it. All so right. remember to follow us on all the social medias: Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We have like eighteen hey. followers now. TikTok. On TikTok. All right, TikTok. Um, and. Yeah, you can send us an email at passionspodcast at gmail.com. Yes, send us your passions origin story, please. Yeah. Or, or any, like, fun games or anything, like, any interesting little tidbits you you know about the show. If you have yeah. some, like, interesting things, let we, us know. We'd we, like to share. We never did get a Martimi recipe, sadly. Yeah. We never did. So send those in <laughs> if you got them. And that's it, right? That's it, I think. All right. All right. Here we go. You are my passion for life.